burger. Everybody, happy new year. It is 2024. Happy new year from your guys from Sweet Film Talk from Keeks and I. This is take 266. We're here. Uh, 2024 is going to be a good year, but 2023 was an amazing year of movies. We have a couple of reviews for you today, a double header. We got May, December, and we have the Iron Claw. And then for next week, we're going to get into our top 10 theater watches slash new releases and top 10 first time watches. We'll give you some top five for television. But uh, again, that's for next week. But we might get some some teasers. And then we're going to talk about our Maven cinema experience. And we're going to get into our letter J alphabet of movies for the draft. Keeks, welcome to the new year. Slim pickings for the letter J. It is. It is. We, it it's is, good there's... that we only do five rounds. Also, thank you again to everyone that enjoyed last week's take. The seven-round mega Christmas movie draft. And I got to give it up to myself. I want another draft! I want another draft! Okay, so I'm sneaking back up on TC. Well, um, winning the group drafts is huge. Like, if you can win it. Okay, who had first pick? I didn't listen to the pod. I just know who had the draft. So draft A was Becky, and that was like Gremlins, Eyes Wide Shut, Elf, uh, a truly eclectic taste of Chris of Christmas I, films. I knew that was Becky from the get go when I saw that. <laughs> it was it's so obvious. Screamed Becky. So she had Elf, Love Actually, Gremlins, Eyes Wide Shut, Jingle All the Way, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and In Bruges. Really good list, honestly. She came in third. Mine was. Draft B, which was Home Alone, A Christmas Story, Klaus, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Arthur's Perfect Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Batman Returns. Good draft, but honestly, like, Becky's is really good. I don't think people read the rest of Becky's. Well, you're for general audience, who had first pick? Becky did. And then who, who did you have second pick? It was me and then Jake and then Jack. So Jake's was Draft C, Christmas Vacation, Nightmare Before Christmas, Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, The Santa Claus, and Scrooged. Really solid list as well. And then Jax was with the number one pick. The holdovers at the number one pick, which he had. It was the snake draft, so he came back and picked Die Hard, Frosty the Snowman, Muppet Christmas Carol, Home Alone 2, While You Were Sleeping in the Polar Express. TC, which was your favorite? When you picked it, we I, were all pretty shocked. I picked the holdovers. Mm-hmm. Jack's draft or draft D. Jack so it was came the, in last. It was the holdovers and what else? What else did he have after that? He had Die Hard, Frosty the Snowman, Muppet Christmas, Muppet Christmas Carol, Home Alone Two, Lost in New York, While yeah. You Were Sleeping in the Polar Express. It was it was the holdovers. It was Home Alone Two, and it was Die Hard that kind of sold me. Mm-hmm. But then yours was right up there. It was like next. Like honestly, I could have, I could have gone either way because you had Home Alone. That's that's the popular pick. The Swedes love Home Alone. I love Home Alone. Yeah, who doesn't love Home Alone? Mm-hmm. And then you had Klaus, which is another big-time sleeper. If you've seen Klaus, you know it's good. Yeah. And then uh, what else did you have? What was your third pick? Uh, A Christmas Story was my second pick. Fourth pick was How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, there you go. So you, yeah. you lock. With Home Alone and Grinch and Klaus, lock. Christmas mm-hmm. Story, uh, I think it's very mid, in my opinion. Me and my siblings would rent a Christmas story during the summer because we thought it was so funny. Like, I have not seen it in probably 15 years, 
But like up until I was about 15 years old, I thought it was no movie was funnier than a Christmas story. Yeah. I wa- I watched it over the break and totally some yeah. comedic moments, but I'd rather watch Elf, I'd rather watch It's a Wonderful Life, I'd rather watch Home Alone and Home Alone 2. I'd rather watch all those. I still need you to watch it. It's a Wonderful Life. You've never seen it? Nope, never seen it. I wow. almost did a bunch of times this break. I watched I by the time the break is done, we come back from the break tomorrow, I will have watched right around 25 to 27 movies in like a 9-day, 10-day span. That's so amazing. I know. Um, so watch watch It's a Wonderful Life next year. I will. Yep. But don't I don't want to hype it up too much, but you got to watch them black and white. Yeah, what I, the heck? Oh, I think I heard someone say they watched it in color. No, you got watch them black and white. Yeah, I'm not I don't mind a I don't mind a black and white movie. We'll talk about a movie. Oh, well, you didn't see this movie, but I was going to say we'll talk about a movie and I'll probably talk about it maybe near the end of today that I think the whole thing should have been in black and white. So, uh, oh. you'll you'll see what I'm referring to. I I've, uh, I've seen yeah. 12 12 movies over the break. Okay. Yeah. Basically all I did for like those first 5 days was just sit and watch movies. You live Pumped living the out. dream. Living oh. the dream. That's how it Pumped should be. Done. It was fun. It was like that's all I wanted to do. That's all I did. I love it. It's mm-hmm. it's sacred. Yeah, sure is. Okay. Do we have fave trailer and movie news? Am I am I leading this one or are you leading it? I don't know what it is. We go back and forth. Okay. Um no, no fave trailer and movie news for me. I'm good. You? Honestly, for me, I kind of just want to talk about like the movies we've watched over the break. Yeah. Let's do it. Some that we might not talk about, some that we will talk about. And this is when I'm going to lead into a movie that I watched today, which is Sunday, the day that we're recording, that uh, you didn't know. And this was a new release this year. Okay. The sleeper hit of the summer. I watched Sound of Freedom. Oh, okay. Thoughts? I haven't seen it. Ladies and gentlemen, pretty good. Really? Yeah, all things considered, like here's the thing. From a te- from like when I when I watched it I went in and I'm like I need to separate whatever's going on and whatever my thoughts are about Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad aside. On the surface, very noble causes, helping with child trafficking. It's a little hard because, you know, we get that human trafficking training at the beginning of each year and like Human trafficking doesn't look like how it looks like in Operation Under, like in Sound of Freedom. Human trafficking is like you have a student that works during school at their parents' restaurant because they can't afford to pay the bills. Like that's more of what it looks like. It's like family members and friends. It's not like this insidious, like sleeper group of people that brings people across borders. That certainly happens. But on a technical level, Sound of Freedom, like, looks pretty great. Um, the lighting is great. They're in practical locations. Like, they're shooting on location in most of these places. Um, and where I think my biggest qualms are is the characters are pretty flat. Like, it's it's exactly what you would imagine the movie is. Um, the bad guys are very clearly bad guys. There's one, like guy who's on the good guys team who was a bad guy and he's kind of the more interesting of everyone but there's a lot of earnest performances here there's a lot of people really trying to do their best and they're trying to like convey their message the best that they can um whether you agree with it or not like then you started getting into the politics of the film which i didn't want to focus on so for me honestly like i think the movie's like a b b minus sweet wow Uh, like you'll watch it and you'll be like 
they made this movie for like ten million dollars. Like, it looks pretty wow. great. There's there's a shot when he's in the tent. It's like a silhouette shot when Tim Tim Ballard's character is in the tent. I'm like, it's a nice shot. It's like on a beach in a jungle. Like, pretty good stuff, honestly. So, huh. if you can set aside the whole political factions of everything and just watch it as a film itself, I think you'll get a lot of like, wow, like pretty good. Um, the editing feels like a slog at sometimes like there's this big raid that happens and it feels like character decisions are really myopic like they're just focusing in on one thing and it at the end of the day when it gives you the facts about what he did it's like oh that doesn't feel like it was a lot of like people and but it kind of sets it up to feel like that in the film it's interesting and the the given whatever he is as a person Trying to help people is a noble cause, but who you are can sometimes taint that legacy. So, yeah, yeah. I think you should check it out. I'd be curious to see what you think about no, it. I do want to check it out because I know that made more than Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Am I right? Didn't that make more one weekend? I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah, it did. Well, let's see uh, Sound of Freedom. Like, I think that beat, like, Mission Impossible, like, like one of the weekends that it was out. It uh it grossed two hundred and fifty million dollars at the box office. I'm gonna get like a final count for you because I think that's important. Uh yeah, so it had a worldwide gross of two hundred and fifty million dollars. Sound of freedom. On a fourteen million dollar budget. That's a good that's a good uh that's a good profit right there. And when I when it came out like you know it was the pay it forward thing so if you really like it come online and donate so that someone can go watch it for free guess what that didn't go to operation underground railroad that didn't go to help end like human trafficking it just went to angel studios to their pockets unbelievable stuff like unbelievable marketing campaign that i think is going to be looked at for a long time to come especially for independent studios sheesh really interesting stuff huh well that's good to hear that from like a film perspective it's good because like i remember this just got a lot of commentary over the summer like where theaters wouldn't let me go watch this movie because air conditioning was out or something like that did you hear some of those hearsay things and what yeah i sure did i don't know if it's true or not because like i wasn't there i wasn't in a theater and i know from some of the court readings of tim ballard are pretty interesting for yeah pretty damning yeah, for, for the person he is and some of the, you know, things he did. But also it's like on the flip side, it's like, yeah, he did do things for a noble cause. So it's like, man, you're kind of walking on an eggshells with everything he did because, yeah, it's like a noble cause. But some of his um, approaches to doing it were a little unethical. I don't know if you read all that. We don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to open I'm that can of worms. I'm not even. I don't even want to touch it. Anyways, so. um if you're interested in reading more about that, you can go find those court filings there. But I do want to see the movie as well because yeah. it is a noble cause and it's great that, you know, that is being covered and kids are being rescued and all that. So just give yourself a quick like Google of like what human trafficking looks like. Like it's it's an interesting topic for this movie, but that's not really what it looks like. And I've had a lot of students that are really passionate about like bringing down these groups of people and it's like check your backyard first. Like the, it, it doesn't look, it doesn't all look like this. Yeah. You got to be more vigilant about friends that are like coming home 
and like with bruises and like they're not very talkative, but all of a sudden they have a lot of new clothes, but they look really malnourished. Like there's a lot of signs that people are being trafficked right in your backyard that are much more helpful than like getting a covert operation of people flying to Colombia and freeing a few dozen children from sex slap from sex traffickers. Yeah. So just okay. keep that in mind. Um, uh, what else have you watched? What are some favorite things you've watched over the break? Uh, Gran Turismo. Um, I watched that one too. I I actually liked it. Like I'm actually kind of bummed at myself that I didn't see this in the theaters. I realized that I like movies that deal with cars. And like I love the sound of cars. I love racing. Like Ford versus Ferrari, that was one of my favorite watches of 2019. And this mm-hmm. definitely has some Ford versus Ferrari moments. I mean, they race in Le Mans. But yeah. it's a cool aspect. I think... I think there were some things that really worked well with Gran Turismo. Like one of my favorite aspects was uh, John and uh, 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 David Harbour. But I felt like that could have been even explored more with a more mentor-mentee relationship because they did have sweet moments together. But it's like, uh, as a viewer, I was like, give me some more of that. Like that that should have been the heart of the movie was that. But there was a lot of other moving place pieces. I thought the racing scenes were good. So I give Gran Turismo, I think, a yeah, B-plus sweet. I wish I would have seen it in theaters. I think yeah, it would have Grand been Turismo, even better. Gran Turismo was an interesting one. I thought it had some really interesting premises starting off, but then it loses a lot of its flair as the movie goes on. You know how sure. he's driving and then it turns into him driving on the track for real as he's doing his simulator. And they don't really do that until like they kind of come back to it at the very end of the movie. And for me, it was like, oh, why aren't you doing this more? I wish you were doing this more. So... um, I think I have Gran Turismo. I have it at a C-suite. Wow, that's low, dude. C-suite? Uh, I mean, there's not really a... The end is super rushed. Feels like the second half of the movie is just like, okay, we gotta stuff all this stuff in. He kills someone, sure. and they glance over that pretty quickly. Um, I mean, like, that's not, like, an important plot point, but... It did happen. It did happen in real life. Yeah, sure, and it's... Like, a lot of the flair starts to go away after that first half. Like, once he makes the team, it's basically like, oh, we got, like, almost an hour and a half left of this movie. What the heck else are we going to do? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I the, races, the races montage went by pretty quick. It's like, I would like even more races to happen. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Um. couple more. I watched. Oh, wait, I have to tell you this. Oh, go, go. I, I, I'm watching the movie. I'm watching Gran Turismo. And, you know, he's going through the circuits and he's racing. And I'm like, is like Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen going to come out? And I told that to Becky and she looks at me. She's like, that's Formula One. And I seriously, I'm like, I literally thought they were the same thing. Like, I thought these two sports were the same thing. They're cars, so I just kind of assumed they were the same thing. And, uh, yeah, they're not. The sweet movie more so Gran Turismo and uh, Formula One are not the same. Any average person like you and I would have thought they would have thought the same thing because uh, myself did, too. But I don't know anybody in <laughs> – really? Yeah, I don't know anybody in Formula One or anything like that. Like, I yeah. was watching the movie with my father-in-law who had seen Gran Turismo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, over Christmas break, and um, someone made a comment like, "Is Formula One in this?" Like one of the other family members, and he's like, "No, this is just Gran Turismo." Like I was like, mm, "Okay, I didn't know that either." <laughs> let someone else has the <laughs> yeah. Let, let someone else take the fall. Yeah, so, smart, smart. Um, smart. we watched over Christmas break as a family, the Family Plan with Mark Wahlberg, uh, Michelle Monaghan. How do you say her name? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, pretty fun. But okay. 
This is one of those movies where you watch it with the crowd and it is elevated for sure because it's really dumb. It is a huge, huge block of cheese. But I'm not gonna lie, it was like the perfect mood. Like I'm not, and like during moments, I'd be clapping and cheering, <laughs> <laughs> which made the movie fun. So I'm gonna give it, I think, a B or B minus sweet. Um, but it had some fun action and like very predictable. But this is like a was a really fun family movie to watch. There are some dumb sex jokes that really don't land and are a little forced. Uh, but Michelle Monaghan is is she's great. I actually really like her as an actress. I, she, I know she's in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Still have not seen that. That's on my watch list for next year. So uh, I want to do my quick Netflix gamut of movies that I watched. Netflix Go. originals, everybody. This is uh, all you. I'm, I'm, the... That's pretty much all I watch for new stuff. So I watched uh, No Hard Feelings, which is not a Netflix original, but it was the Jennifer Lawrence like R-rated comedy. I liked it a lot. I gave it a B plus. I think I put sour, maybe sweet, because there's a couple moments where you're like, oh, but I liked it. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was heartwarming and cute, too. So you really liked Gran Turismo. I really liked No Hard Feelings. The universe is balanced out just how Thanos wants it. Um, (laughs) I watched Heart of Stone, which is the new Gal Gadot vehicle uh, where she drives vehicles and she's like a she works for MI6, but she also works for an agency that like watches over MI6 and it was one of the worst movies I watched, but nowhere near as terrible as Zack Snyder's new uh, piece of human excrement. The best word that I'll say it rebel moon on abominable film, a truly like take everything that you hate about the prequels. And that's rebel moon. Why is it bad? The visual effects look terrible. The cinematography is awful. The characters are all the worst imaginable counterparts of Star Wars characters. Um, the action looks really bad, too. He's using his speed ramp where it's like normal normal speed, then slow motion, then normal speed again. And the times he chooses to do it are really, really like unexplainable. Uh, the script is dog water. The rest of it is just like a not a very good experience. So watch it if you're really interested in watching a really terrible film from this year. Because uh, in terms of new releases, it is one of the worst films that I saw. All Dude, year. you know what's so funny about this? Two weeks ago, I remember you were like, I'm excited for Rebel Moon Part 1. Yeah. <laughs> you were stoked. Like, those were your words. Yeah, I was. Do you know why? So, like... Alex Garland, Christopher Nolan, like all these directors, Jordan Peele. I'm butting the seat day one because I know it's going to be good. Zack Snyder, I'm butting the seat day one because I know it's probably going to be terrible. And I was right. But it was fun terrible. So yeah, give it good. a watch. Have a bad time for two and a half hours and then go, you know, uh, Marvel at Heart of Stone, which is a better film. <laughs> Choose your so, poison. Yeah, pick your poison. So and then I think I a few other things on netflix but those are the big ones uh i also watched Saltburn, which is emerald mm. fennel's follow-up to promising young woman and it is one of the least surprising um think it's smarter than it actually is films i've seen all year mm. so. sour on the sour scale yeah I, it's like it certainly like looks nice but i saw this interview with a cinematographer that said like it's good to want to take inspiration from shots and make your film look nice but you have to do it with a purpose. And this film like had no purpose. It had no guidance in what it was trying to say visually. It was just, this looks nice. This looks nice. This looks nice. And the twists and turns are like the most 
like non-shocking things you've seen. So, I don't know. It's worth it for some good shots, but not very good as a movie as a whole. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Paul Byrne. I had a coworker watch that, and he was telling me a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, mm, interesting. Yeah. It's. I mean, like, it's. And there's uh, more shocking movies that exist. Oh, you're going to talk about poor things next week. Yeah, I'll, I'll chat about poor things next week. Okay. Love I it. think it's in my top fifteen. Wow. Good film. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love it. Anything else? No. I mean, there's a lot of other things else, but not really anything else that I'd want to talk about. Okay. We'll, well get to a lot it. of them next week. Let's do uh, the draft. Letter J. Jumpman, jumpman, jumpman. Jumpman, jumpman. Is that the sound of these boys now that are bluffing? They just out here I'm surprised there's not a movie called Jumpman. Shocker. Mm-hmm. It feels like maybe. that'd be too generic, though, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. You have first pick. Jurassic Park. Wow, I love it. I mean, I was hoping you would take that. Okay, so you, for number one pick, you have Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. I'm going to go do Jaws. I'm going to do Jaws. Oh, perfect. I'm going John Wick, baby. That's a good one. Yeah. What's your next pick? Um, Hold on. Let me look. Let me look. I think I know what you're going to take after I take this, but I should have taken John Wick over Jaws. We're going to go with Jojo Rabbit. Ah, okay. I thought that was going to be, I thought, I thought you were going to take that one. Um, I'm going to sneak on over here and I'm going to take Juno with my number three pick. Dang it. Dang it. Well, Kennedy's going to get your vote. You're going to get Kennedy's vote. I thought, Wow. All righty. I'm already getting washed. I'm just going to be honest. I'm already getting washed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already getting washed because you got Jurassic Park, John Wick and Juno. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. good. That's solid. And if I get this fourth pick, it's it's game over. Is it game over? Well, I think it is. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I have five wins and you have three wins. So wait, do I only have three wins, even including the most recent? Yeah, I just counted the most recent. Yeah. Okay. well, let's bring it up to four. Okay, uh, let's go Dr- Jumanji, Robin Williams. Thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. Give me Jackass 3D. I knew you were going to take Jackass. Yep. And then if I can get this last one, baby, bring me home. I'm feeling really, really good. Okay, let me see. There's a few I can pick, but this one would make me feel really good. Dang, I'm bummed you took Juno. I did I'm not shocked think... you took Jaws so early. I didn't know you were it's such a, cla- a Jaws guy. It's a classic. I mean, yeah. I like I like Juno more than Jaws. So. Yeah, that's what I thought you were gonna take first. I thought that or John Wick, like for sure. Yeah, that was a dumb pick. Hey Becky. Hi. I'm just here to water plant. <laughs> water plant. Okay. I honestly, this is gonna be a Keeks pick, and this uh-huh. will probably make me even drown even more. But we're going to go with it. We're going to go with Jimmy Neutron, boy genius. (laughs) Oh, I had on my list. (laughs) But Uh, I mean, I didn't think I would. I, yeah, I, I, it was low on my list. Okay. So this brings me to a few, but, uh, I'm going to take this one and I'm going to take for my last pick. I'm going to take the most recent, um, Daniel Kaluuya, well, not the most recent, but uh, Daniel Kaluuya Oscar winner Judas and the Black Messiah. That's a good one. 
as my number five. Yeah, you've got some. You don't have a lot left, but you've got some left. Uh, oh, there's one. Oh, man, maybe I should have taken that one. No, I think it's good. I didn't take it. What is it? Tell me. I might Jackie Brown. Huh? Jackie Brown. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't. I haven't, I haven't seen that one. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can't put the ones that I've seen. Yeah, I screwed up. I should have picked John Wick first. I don't know why I didn't do that. But mm-hmm. anyways, uh, you know what? Someone's going to connect with this. I'm going to have somebody that's going to be like, yeah, yeah, I like that fifth pick. Okay. And we're going to go out of left field here, totally out of left field. And this is could even win it for me, but James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> That was one of them I was debating with as well was James and the Giant Peach. Oh, man. I just got – I lost by probably – I maybe get five votes. Yeah, you got Molly Whopped there, my friend. I maybe get five votes. <laughs> oh, no. This is this, – this might be our biggest discrepancy in in voting that we've had, if I, had to do it, if I had to do it again, I would have done John Wick first and then – you probably would have taken. What would you? Would you? Have taken? I would have taken Jojo Rabbit next. Yeah, and then I probably would have taken Ju- Juno next. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, and then I probably would have done Jackass three. I'll take the loss. I'll take yeah, the loss. That's okay. You got to give me one. You still got some time. Rough. Yeah, you got some. That was not a good draft. I'm telling you, if you get that first pick, it can make a huge difference sometimes. Yeah, especially with two people having the first pick in a draft with two people. Oh. I'm going to like do the stat of how many times we've won with the first pick. Cause I think yeah, we need time, to do that. Cause this... I think every time we've had the first pick, that person's won. Mm-hmm. I think so. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I don't once think that didn't happen. Been... Well, you won with a and B. So you got, you oh. have proven that you can do it without. That's a good point. But I think that was the yeah, only I think time. It's a little tougher. All righty. Well, everybody, um, here am I. Here I am. We're gonna post it today on Sunday, but I probably got one. I bet I get five votes. Yeah, could be tough. But maybe there's a Jaws person out there that just worships Jaws, and there's a <laughs> lot. Of them. But, yeah, maybe there's someone that thinks it's better. It's uh, Spielberg's best film over. Yeah. I do like Jojo Rabbit more than Jaws, and I do like John Wick more than Jaws and Juno. So that was a dumb pick. That was like yeah. a hybrid. Come on, that man. that felt like a you were trying to think what like you you kind of took your eye off the prize and you thought. What is the one people are going to appreciate more? Jaws. And maybe that's why you picked it. Yeah. I don't know. I think Jaws is good, but I'd rather watch, like I said, John Wick, Jojo Rabbit, and Juno over Jaws. So that was dumb. I, was, I wasn't I was focused, Keeks. Hey, you live and you learn. Okay. What do we got next? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. K. What the heck is K? Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> uh... A nice round of Nazi zombies on Kino Der Toten. Man, what are some K movies? I don't know. I'm like, yeah, let's see. Movies starting with K. It's just good luck. There's not. There can't be that many. Um, oh, Killer of the Flower Moon. There you go. Okay. King Kong. Kindergarten Kung Pao Cop. 2. Huh? Kung Pao 2. Kill Bill. Oh, That's gosh. One. Oh, Knives Out. Okay. Okay, uh, it's not a lot of good ones though. Bruh, this one is, woo wee. Yeah, this is, is low. These are some freaking stinkers, man. Key Largo, Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, Kingsman. kicking and screaming. Heck yeah. Okay, Kingsman and the Kiki's Delivery Servants. Servant. I've never seen it. 
might have to brush up on some K movies before uh before we before we yeah, draft. Karate Kid. Okay, there's some, there's some, but yeah, yeah. there's some, but it's not. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I got washed. Moving on to May December. Okay. Geeks. Uh, Netflix is streaming this movie. I think it dropped in early December, right? Yeah, Netflix original. Uh huh. And it tells the tale of a couple who had a scandal, but more so the woman who um, basically, what's the right word? Uh, he, she um, left her had marriage. sexual relations with a child. Minor. Yeah, with a minor, yeah. And then this movie star goes in to play this story, who's Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore, the woman, and who's the actor? He actually does a good job. He's in Charles Melton. Charles Melton. Mm-hmm. Feel like a little bit of pressure from Natalie Portman because she wants to learn more about this character that the movie she's playing in. So um, this is actually kind of based on some true life events. I don't know if you knew that. That takes yeah. place in Seattle, Washington, I believe. They're in Seattle. Or where? I think it's in like Seattle area. Uh, I think it happened in the early 90s. Um, May, December. Do you know why it's called May, December? I don't. I was actually really curious. Why is it? So May is like youthful and young, and then December is like old, oh. which, which is hence like, you know, the relationship, their marriage. He's like, what, 30, he's 36, and he has a kid going off to college. Wow. Yeah. And it's weird. The whole, the whole movie is like, it's, it's, it's like one of those movies where you have to go in not knowing much. Like I didn't know anything about it. I was like, Hey, I was like, this is on my watch list. And Kennedy's like, Oh, like, let's watch it. It's unhinged. And I was like, do you know anything about it? She's like, I know a little bit about it. I was like, okay, like let's watch it. And it's one of those weird movies where it was very captivating. Like I didn't even like really want to look at my phone. I didn't want to leave because I thought the dialogue was really good. I thought the conversations were really good. I thought the characters were very interesting because you didn't know what was going to happen. And like you're rooting for Charles Melton to kind of get out of this poor relationship that he's in because, I mean, he was basically manipulated since he was like a seventh grader. Yeah, he was groomed. He was groomed. Yeah, totally groomed. And you see Julianne Moore and her character as being like, conniving and manipulative and then you see natalie portman who's also kind of the same as julianne moore who's trying to portray her and julianne moore is like kind of manipulating her as well a little bit it's just got a lot of these moving pieces and it's very interesting i i I don't know it's one of the most interesting watches this year and it's it's more on the sour scale but i also liked it it's weird yeah it's got like the people are gonna throw around a lot of words at you is like dark comedy melodrama um cheesy corny but for me it just all felt so it all felt very purposeful and it felt it was like very bone chilling it was like these little moments where she's like i don't think we have enough hot dogs and then cut to the next scene where it's like 45 hot dogs are on the grill and these little aspects of control that Julianne Moore's character is having Natalie Portman trying to mimic the relationship and it's very clear that it's like taking on the aspects of actors thinking that they are so important 
and that their methods of portraying reality and giving an honest look at people is like, we don't care about that. And then the movie she's doing it for is some crappy B movie. Like it's not even for anything that important. It's just to help herself feel more legitimate, I guess. I don't know what the best word for it. It seemed like Natalie Portman's character was an actress that was kind of like a B actress. Am I right? I feel like she's like an, she wasn't an A lister. I feel like she was more of like a B lister. Do you have you ever seen those like AMC or Lifetime films? They're like thrillers about like the babysitter next door where it's like, you know, it's like it's like a person who's in like a position of power tries to take advantage of someone who's not. They're kind of based on these real stories. And she feels like someone who would go make one of those for Lifetime and like really taking it seriously. But everything in the undertones is all about like prey and predator and this like life that like Charles Melton's character on paper is a very successful person. He's a doctor. He has two kids that are going off to great colleges from what it seems he has an interesting marriage and you're like. Why do people like them? And then as the, the story of this big Russian nesting doll that every aspect has another like more insidious thing underneath it. Like she makes cakes. She's like, oh, I got to make a bunch more cakes this weekend. And Natalie Portman's character finds out that the whole town just feels bad for her. So they've just been like buying her, her cakes. And then you have one customer who has to like stop her orders and she is devastated. Yeah. Yeah out of control and it's just these aspects of like manipulation that come up but also like they feel earnest too it's 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 a really great uh charles melton man that best supporting actor race is in a dead heat right now he was good and what was interesting is the director i watched an interview afterwards like just a quick five minute interview explaining the ending he said that this story is about is like charles melton's story like this is his story. It does it's not about Natalie Portman or Julianne Moore's character. It's like Charles Melton's, the husband's story. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And there's a lot of symbolism there at the end. Well, especially but right I, before they go to graduation, where he has his butterflies, and his wife is like, "Get those bugs out of the room." Yeah, like she doesn't understand the the usefulness or the nature of these insects, nor the interest that he's taking in them. Like she doesn't care about it. She's just. Like, she enjoys keeping his life in check of where it needs to be. Like, would he ever want to be a doctor? I don't know. Probably not. But then, yeah, the end of, like, him seeing his kids graduate and enjoy that experience. Like, he never got to be a kid. And it's so – it's really interesting because you got to imagine that, what, the character of Joe – what is his name? Is it Joe? Yeah, it's Joe. It's like – he's got to be, like, at least 36, 37, 38 in the film. Yeah, he's 36. He's – uh. Sorry, that is my dog reverse sneezing. No, we love it. We love honey. Yeah, she's good. Hey, you're good. But, like Charles Melton is not 36 years old. There's no way. Yeah, he's he's 29. Or no, he's 32. So like getting someone younger to play this older person to add more youth to the character feels like a very deliberate choice and making us feel like, "Oh my gosh, like this guy is a kid." Yeah, he's yeah. he never got to have like a normal high school experience because everyone knew him as the kid that did it with the with like his friend's mom yeah. when he was twelve. And I love the scene where he's on the roof with his son, just smoking. Great scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
yeah, there's there's like Charles Melton like really does a good job of portraying Joe and being like he's trying to be sweet, he's trying to be sincere, but he's also like, you know, that person that he's texting has to be, you know, somebody that he's interested in. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, man, because he's never really had anybody else but this, you know, woman that he's been groomed since he's been 12. So he's and been if you trapped. think about it, it's the exact same thing that he she did to him. I think it's interesting if you look at it like, like, I'd be curious to see how often if someone cheats with someone on that person and then maybe they end up getting together in the future. How often does the person with whom the cheater cheated on goes off to do that as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it'd be really interesting to look at those dynamics of, of, of relationships and what people do to like continue them or to skirt around them and communication. So yeah. And I love the score to it. I love. Oh, the piano. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. It has some soap opera moments. I remember the piano, like the first two to three times that I was like, I don't know. And then as it kept going, I was like, I kind of dig this. I was like, I kind of like like yeah. this score. It's just kind of like, it kind of pulls you in more, a little bit. But I like May, December. I'm going to give an A minus sour. I thought the performance was really good. Natalie Portman, she might be my favorite actress. Oh. Like, she, she just has a lot in her filmography where I'm like, yeah, that's impressive. And I have not even seen Black Swan, which I know that is like. Oh, Black Swan's great. Like one of her best, but. She's good in this, you know, as we mentioned, Charles Melton and Julianne Moore are great. So it's just performances all around are Annihilation. Really she's great in Annihilation. Yeah. So E for Vendetta. Yeah, she's great. And, you know, it's uh, best actress. She's definitely going to be up there in the best actress totally. uh, realm. Uh, Emma Stone as well for Poor Things, which we'll talk about uh, probably next week. Um, a few others, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Great year for categories for the acting categories this oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So yeah, everyone, go check out May December. It's an interesting watch. I have it at an A sour. Um, I think it looks nice, and it's it's cool to see uh, Todd Haynes. Uh, do you remember the last movie he directed? Do you know what it is? I don't know. Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I didn't mind Dark Waters. Did you see that? Did you see that? Yeah, I think we reviewed it on the pod. Yeah, we reviewed it. Yeah, that was like in twenty nineteen. I liked it. It was an enjoyable. Wa- I mean, it's got one of the worst posters I've ever seen. Oh yeah, the poster is atrocious. Yeah. It's, it's just an that one. Story. Yeah, yeah, terrible poster. Come out twenty nineteen. Good year yeah. for movies. Honestly, this year I think is better. It's very similar Overall. to twenty nineteen. Like a lot of heaters. I was looking at like my released my new release like rankings and i was like oh my gosh like top gun maverick would probably be number three or four this year really nah it'd probably be yeah it'd probably it'd be top five i okay i could see it yeah so i mean definitely still top five but like last year was number one so it was number one for me yeah Mm -hmm. um okay may december everybody check it out on netflix um moving on to one of my favorite movies Oh, absolutely. And this is The Iron Claw, directed by Sean Durkin. Uh, tells the true story, story of the Von, El, uh, Von Erich brothers mm-hmm. and their family who, you know, grew up in the wrestling world. Uh, they're living Texas. in Texas. And uh, it is it is tragic. It is sad. It is tender. It has really happy moments. Um, it really has all the spectrum of emotions in this movie. And 
one of my favorite movies of the year. I think the performances by Zac Efron, uh, by Barry Allen White, by basically everybody, like everybody in the family, I thought Wait, killed Jeremy him. Allen White, or did you say Barry Allen White? Uh, I think I said Jeremy Barry. Oh, Barry. Yeah. Oh, it is Jeremy. No, it is Jeremy. It is Jeremy. Okay. Yeah, it's Jeremy Allen White, the bear. The bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Darren Claw Keeks. What'd you think about it? That's unbelievable. It's great. Yeah. It, it's it's like. It's so fun. I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my, uh, uh, what's it called? My, the films I watched this year and I have five, five star reviews on them. Yeah. Five, five star reviews. I think that it's been an awesome watch. Uh, I've been really stoked with, it's like, yeah, it's obviously heartbreaking, like it, it, this movie is just. I I just read someone's review that was basically here. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Uh, yeah, this is from on on Letterbox. Brandon Fowler. I don't know what. If, uh, it's uh the cinematic equivalent to repeatedly getting punched in the gut for two hours, and it's kind of true. It's it's pretty, it's pretty sad. But at the same time, like you have this this in, enduring presence of perseverance. Yeah, in Zac Efron's character, it's it's his best role to date, like kind of by a mile, honestly. I oh, hope he doesn't end up being like the Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems in 2019, where there's so many good best actor performances that he doesn't get a nomination. But I think he will. He's yeah, uh, he, he's incredible in this. He should because he, like, even his facial expressions, because he's clearly the brother that is most driven, in my opinion, for the wrestling. Like he's the one that's most driven from what my perspective watching it. Like he wants it. He, had he the wants most passion. to do his dad proud. Yeah, he's the most passionate. He's the one that's training. You I mean you see it from the get go where he wakes up in the morning. He's like, "Hey, you want to go run?" And his brother, I think it's David or Michael, yeah. David. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's like, "No, nah, I'm gonna sleep in." And so like he's out there running, and it's just interesting because and he's like the training mon. He's just jacked too. Like whatever he's eating. And lifting, like whoever his trainer was for the preparation of this movie, like he deserves an Oscar too because Zach Efron is a freaking brick wall. Um, I, but man, and I think the dad was really good. Like he is such a punk and a jerk. But uh, it was interesting when you're when we're talking to your um, friend Jacob um, the other night at JCW's, how like the documentary he watched, like Kevin even says, like, yeah, he's like, he was a hard dad but he was a good dad and i thought that was very interesting that he said that yeah. like uh, i mean everything that happens in this movie it's like man the first hour it's fun it's a blast and then comes down like a pile of bricks man and it's just like it is two different movies <laughs> in one yeah and there's yeah. a lot of amazing scenes and transitions and montages and camera angles that are very good. I think this totally has an opportunity to get – I think this gets several nominations for Best Director, Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, I think Was it, it adapted? I was curious. It's adapted? Well, it's based on a true story, right? Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's adapted. Like if they took it from a book or from like an existing property, then it would be, but – I thought adapted would be if it's based on a true story. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's because, like, technically speaking, you could take like, um, I don't know. Well, like Oppenheimer. No, Oppenheimer's yeah. based on American Prometheus. But if you were to take like Apollo Eleven and just tell the story as it happened, but you didn't use any existing source material, I'm 
pretty get, sure that would count play. as best original screenplay. Oh, best, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. I think it gets at least five nominations. Yeah. I And it's, it's curious as to why they didn't start showing this movie in the festival circuit. Like, it feels like it's really only started to get, like, a lot of buzz in the last month. I'm curious as to why this didn't have, like, a... I don't even want to, like, I don't necessarily want to say, like, Telluride or Venice or even, like, a South by Southwest, but some sort of festival run to get some more buzz and award stuff going. But maybe it's really good that it's coming out now because everyone that I know that's seeing it is in love with it. Like, I think it's absolutely one of the best movies of the year. It's in my top five, top ten best films of the year. Totally. Um, For me, it's an A-plus suite, an easy A-plus suite. Uh, I would almost even say... There's a part of me that almost wants to say sour because it does have some tragic and it has some things that could be triggering for people. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I think it is sweet because there's two scenes at the end that whew, will punch you like like just oh my god right in the yeah. stomach. And those are... are the moments where it's like, yeah, the whole movie's sad, but there's such great breaths of release for everyone in the theater yeah. too. And those those two scenes that I'm talking about towards the end are great. They're great payoffs for the journey that you go on with the Von Erics. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Are you, is this the movie that you th- should have thought would have been black and white? No, I, poor things is what I thought should have been. Oh, oh okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I think poor things should have been black and white. Cause it opens in black and white iron claw. And I was like, I'm glad it wasn't in black and white. Iron I think claw. there's all, I think there's an advantage to most films being in black and white because you don't have to de- rely on the color of the film instead more. It's lighting based. And, like, mm-hmm. what your, like, lighting ratios are looking like. And so I think that's an interesting aspect of the black and white only. It's also a lot easier to film something in black and white because, again, you're not working with color. You're just working with, um, like, grays, you know, blacks and whites and, and uh, lighting ratios. So yeah. as an A-plus suite, I, there's – the moments that are really hard are never shown explicitly. Like, you never – you're never shown, like, someone getting shot in the head. Or anything like that as an example. Um, any like sad things that happen, it's generally delivered to us in the form of expository dialogue. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that I love is because of how like certain scenes are shot, you're never sure exactly what the state of the brothers are going to be. Like when you see Carrie after he's riding his motorcycle, he gets up and you're like, okay. And the camera's slowly zooming out and you're like, uh-oh. And then he gets up and you're like, oh, okay. And then the next scene you're like, oh no. (laughs) There's so many interesting aspects that it kind of keeps you guessing through the edit and through the shots. So uh, yeah, the Iron Claw, go see it. Like, I I don't, I think this is one of the easiest movies to recommend anyone to go watch from this year. Yeah, this is one that I like, I want people to see. Like, go see this. Yeah. Like, we loved really- The Holdovers. I loved The Holdovers, and I'm excited to watch it again. This one I'm, like, dying to rewatch. Zach Efron, like you said, his body in this is unbelievable. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone so naturally looking jacked. Do you know what I mean? He's like a brick wall, dude. Yeah. And <laughs> like, when he's even- training, whew, jacked. Like, he should be Captain America. Step aside, Chris Evans. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh... um. And it's interesting because there is another son that did that they didn't even include that had another tragedy. So that's something to look up. So I mean, it's just man, it is daunting what this family goes through. And you know, because mm-hmm. when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh my gosh, like, well, it's obvious that that brother dies. Well, it's like, mm, no, there's 
yeah, more of that occurs. So, but it is good. I loved it. Um, very good watch. It really sucks you in. Yeah. So I love from like the very beginning to the very end. I know we didn't talk much about the dad to a degree, but the the dad character is ruthless. And this, the whole aspect of generational trauma and like being the one like generational trauma for me, I interpreted it as existing in this family because no one took responsibility for what was going on and for what had gone on before. It was just, this is how it always works. And no one took a second to be like, doesn't that like kind of messed up and to like help change the trajectory of everything. So yeah, iron claw, man, everyone go see it. A plus suite for me as well. Love it. Love it. Um, Okay, everybody have a happy new year. Take 267 next week. It's my it's one of my favorite takes of the year that we do. Yep. I love it. It's my favorite one. Our best of the year. Uh I'm gonna throw something at you. Okay. Should we do the sweeties as well for next week's take? Just list off all of our rankings and the sweeties. I kind of like just doing the sweeties. We'll do the sweeties. I like them doing them separate. Take two sixty eight, we'll do the sweeties. Okay. And then we'll maybe squeeze in Aquaman and oh gosh, yeah, I watched things. Aquaman as well. Yeah, thought about that. I need, I need to watch that. That's going to be next week or before that take. I think you'll have a fun time with it. It's yeah. not very good, but see well, you, DCEU. Let's let's get you out of here. Let's bury you forever. Yeah, see a DCEU, but they're in good hands with James Gunn. Absolutely. Yep. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three didn't even make my top ten this year. I know. I don't even know. I don't even know if it's top twenty for me. And that was a good movie this year. I'm here. Here's a here's a little sample for you. I'd rather watch Dungeons and Dragons over Volume Three. <laughs> you know what I have over Volume Three, just above it. You're never going to guess. I sure do. Yeah, yeah. I have the Flash in my honorable mention. Like I think I would rather watch the Flash over Guardians. I love the Flash. There's two other Guardians, and like Volume Three is great. Yeah, but but uh, the Flash is just more fun, and same with Dungeons. Bar- Volume three is kind of a heavy watch, like yeah. it, especially if you have a pet. There's some animal scenes that you're like, ooh, yeah. So no, not that I bad. loved the Flash. All of you guys are like, it's a terrible movie. Listen, if you didn't like the first ten minutes with the baby shower, you just were never going to like the movie. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I often find myself. I don't know if you're like this, but I often find myself liking movies people hate. Instead of like hating movies people like. Do you get what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. I'd rather be on that spectrum of liking movies that people hate. Same. Yeah. Because I don't want to hate movies that people like. There's there's some. Yeah. Like but... like The Godfather Part 2. I'm not going to be giving it two and a half stars. But The Flash that everyone hated. I'm like, four and a half. I loved it. <laughs> it was so fun. You know. Oh, I love it. All right, everybody. Have Thanks. a great 2024. We will see you next week. Um, see you next uh, year. Oh, yeah. wait, no, it is next year already. It is. Okay. Well, everybody, stay sweet. Sweet. <laughs>